said don't trust them cash prices. Same things that float your boat can capsize it. Tell the snakes they can take a hike like gas prices. No such things as halfway crooks or half righteous. Those who have eyes should act like it to help the sightless seeking the light switch to see in the night with be leading the lifeless. Um, yeah, just want to get your uh, your general sense on Ohio State and um, how it feels to be dragged down to our level. <laughs> guilt, guilt by association. It, um, you know what? Af- after uh, everything happened in December of last year, there was a there was a rumor on Christmas Day that started from some. I guess it, it would be a, a blog that blogs make fun of, um, had no credibility that that Trestle was going to retire, and the guy completely pulled it out of his ass. I remember Tab. Wasn't his name Tab? His name was Tab. He's a like a Chicago Blackhawks blogger. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was it was not based in anything that in any kind of reality because the the, the time frame that Ohio State still hadn't discovered they hadn't audited Trestle's email. I was just thinking about that today. Like then March eighth happened and and for six months, um, Ohio State fans went through what Penn State fans were probably going to go through for longer, and it's going to be a lot less savory than than what Ohio State fans dealt with. And there's there's just no schadenfreude about it it's just too gross and on top of that you've got two really boring bad football teams playing each other with winning records on saturday and i'm afraid for what i'm going to see on the field it's not going to distract me from anything and with that i should just introduce you after after selling penn state ohio state so enthusiastically (laughs) we're talking to uh ramsey nasrallah from 11 warriors and formerly of what was it bucknuts yeah, I still cameo at Bucknuts, still but cameo uh, at Bucknuts. I have an ownership position at Eleven Warriors. Yes, um, yeah, we wanted to talk to you about uh, Ohio State's weird journey, and I, I don't want to, as you said, I don't want to equate these two scandals in any way. Even when we were doing the, uh, the Slow States podcast with uh, Kevin, myself, and Pat Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants. Even at the time, we were enjoying the Ohio State scandal. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, we were saying, "Well, it's you know, it's tattoos and and weed, and you know, maybe some guys got to you know to drive a nice car around campus." This is you know slightly different. Yeah, you know what the the Ohio State scandal is, is kind of enjoyable from the outside. It's uh, because it's so stupid, right? Um, you, you've got guys that you can see they're completely covered in elaborate tattoos. <laughs> that, that that come from nothing, <laughs> and, and shocking the world with oh, you know what? Uh, they got discounts for trading socks and little trophies. And I, the one time I did laugh was when I found out that that Pryor had traded a sportsmanship award he had won at the Fiesta Bowl. Yes, uh, partly because he traded a sportsmanship award. And partly because he won a sportsmanship award. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first name that comes to mind. Like, you know, he he came in and played receiver in that game, and and they lost. And and it's funny that he he still left with the trophy, which he promptly traded for probably more uh, leaves around his blocko that he'll carry around forever. (laughs) Um, And it just, you didn't, you didn't get to what, and and this is something you can, you can, well, look forward to is, is the wrong. This is the, the the anatomy of how scandals develop in, in the internet age. You already know. I mean, we've we've all read the the grand jury uh, testimony, and, and you're already getting these people telling you 
what they're hearing, the rumblings and stuff. Right. You're going to hear things that are pretty crazy and, and outlandish. And the thing is with, with Sandusky, I don't know what could be more, what, what else could come out that would, that would freak you out. I mean, well, with, we, we've already heard one and it was unfortunately reported on more kind of national websites than I hoped it would be reported on. But you know, that the original one was, was that this wasn't just an isolated you know, monster that he was, you know, it was an institutionalized ring of, of, you know, kind of, I think the word pimping was used, which just makes you cringe and and want to kind of lose your lunch. I mean, that that stuff's already happened. And when I, you know, I, we've all, we all did a couple of these kind of ridiculous (laughs) press runarounds, except for Ben Jones, who did a lot of very good, credible ones. Um, I called into a Cincinnati radio station, actually, it was 700 and, the very first question was, Kevin, this is what we're hearing. Tell us all about it. And I'm like, whoa, guys, this is, you know, 48 hours and, and we've kind of already, already gotten here. But, you know, how I, I had a Twitter conversation with the, um, with the oversigning guy. And so how does this kind of, I don't want to say that this, is, this could be vindicating of, you know, of, of programs that have kind of had these ridiculous tattoo sportsmanship word controversies, but kind of explain explain the perspective it, it gives outsiders in terms of the you know the high horsedness that we that we've all kind of you know given to Miami given to Ohio State given to USC after this um the, with with regard to Penn State and with specifically Sandusky and and Paterno being his best friend I, I don't know if it it's too unseemly had had Sandusky been caught um, dealing with an agent to sort of funnel Penn State players to specific uh, representation, I think that would be something that vindicates. But when when you read when when you actually bother to, to to read the details of of what happened with Penn State, I don't think anyone's vindicated. I can't see how you could get uh, like if 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 you're a uh, if you're an Auburn fan or if you if you just love the way that. Uh, um, some SEC teams just funnel players out of the out of the school every single summer. How you can look at Penn State and say, "Oh, well, you know what? They thought they were so much better than us." This is this is like this is a tragedy um, that is worse than anything I've seen in anything to do with sports. And I'm like you guys, but I'm so obsessed with sports since uh, since before I could control my bowels. It's just uh, I can't. I can't think of anything that can compare it. And I remember Len Bias dying and, and freaking out about that. I remember um, boycotting the Olympics when they were in, in Moscow and, and thinking that, you know, what's happening with the world. But I never thought that you would have something like this. So in, in, in terms of how you can feel vindicated, the only vindication, at least from the Ohio State perspective, is that you kind of laugh at the media because uh, all summer and, and all year, they they made such a big deal about uh, about what this meant for Ohio State, and it was it was outright cheating. It was ten dot one cheating. It was NCAA violations. No one was in jail. No one was committing crimes, and, and it was a bad thing. But just the, the amount of just over the top outrage over Trestle not reporting something so stupid. Um, the the vindication comes from they, what are they going to come up with now? How, how are they going to deal with a guy that founded a the second mile at what nineteen seventy seven, yeah, and and for all intents, used it to to gain access to to underage boys, 
and you know, based on some of the things that you, you were talking about hearing, could have used it as a front to engage other pedophiles with, with kids. Yeah, How do you- with, without that part of it, the, the, the pimping aspect of it, what you just described, that's the best case scenario right now. Right. You know, and nothing can be ruled out when Joe, you have something. Joe Paterno that's... has been fired. The college is in shambles. Um, Penn State as a brand is radioactive. Uh, sponsors are already pulling out. The, uh, the people who have their little logo on the podium during the press conferences, they're out. Sherwin-Williams puts their logo on the backdrop behind the press conference. They're out. We lost two sponsors on the website. And we didn't do anything. You know, it's, it, it, cars.com pulled a sponsorship on ESPN just because they were showing Penn State. Um, it's, it, you know, this has the potential to go so much deeper than it already has, which scares the hell out of me. Because we're talking about political players. We're talking about really powerful people who are in charge of, of either squashing or redirecting these allegations it's you can't pick another sports scandal and anything like it you know everything else is is pretty much a joke that came before this i wish we were smu paying players you know the the death penalty for three years would be better than this yeah this this impacts this is this is not a this is not even a college football thing and you've read every bit of penn state news i'm sure about about this this threatens you know, school accreditation. This is a federally funded state institution that, uh, you know, if the, I was reading today that Paterno sold his, he transferred his house to his wife to sue over the summer for a dollar. Um, no, I which, didn't know that. Yeah, he, in July, he transferred their, their house in State College, which is valued about a, a half million dollars. It's a pretty humble house. I'm sure you've seen it. I've walked by. I can't it. believe that thing is worth a half a million. I know. No, there's no way. It's like a it's like a like a cheesy '50s ranch home that yeah. uh, right. that's back from World War II to live in, um, and they still live in it today. But it's it's still worth a half mil, uh, probably. That's how it's valued. But in July, which is about a couple months after the grand jury um, broke, with when no one was paying attention to it, or no one outside of Penn State. He he's, he transferred the property to to sue for a dollar, and there's no tax advantage for that. The only thing that that shields him from is any kind of liability if there's a, a suit that impacts him, like a civil suit. Um, that's just more smoke, and it's not. Uh, and, and that that's that's where you start thinking about institutional cover up, and that's really frightening if you're if you're Penn State. And I don't know how anyone could take pleasure in that. I don't. Here, here's the only thing I, I know: Chris and I have have both been very very clear in opinion and this is true of the whole site and you know it wasn't going to be true of 100 percent of penn state alumni and fans but we we were very clear about about what we thought should have been the repercussions for the things that we found out what where i'm starting to have kind of a reactionary attitude about this though is that once you clear house and, and chris i'm sure i'm sure you know we've kind of talked about this either on the site or offline once you clear house you know once once you expose all of the things there are to expose, which will take time. At a certain point, you know, you, you're, you're, there's collateral damage here. And, I, and I, you have to be careful with this because the, the trump card is always, what do you mean collateral damage? What about the kids? And I can't argue with that, and I'm not trying to argue that that's the case. But I, I, I think in terms of, you know, the athletic department going down, the, you know, that, that, the football team being killed kills the athletic department. The athletic department being killed dramatically affects the school. The school being hurt dramatically affects the Pennsylvania economy. 
I mean, I, I think it, it can just go forever. And, you know, Chris, you, you alluded to, to how deep this goes. It, it could certainly go into, you know, people in legitimate law enforcement positions finding things out and not necessarily reporting them or following through with them. And not just university police. I'm talking, you know, by the time, by the time Paterno gets to speak, by the time McQuarrie gets to speak. I, what, what scares me most now about all of this is, is just how far you can unravel it before, you know, really we're able to stop and, and think about, you know, how to support the victims, how to prevent this from happening again, and how to constructively move on from that, which doesn't, we don't seem to be anywhere near that third thing. No, I, I don't think that Paterno outlives the resolution of this entire scandal. I think, especially with the legal system getting involved, that's not saying that he's going to. Well, you know, I'm I'm not even talking about Paterno. I I don't think I think this is so far beyond Paterno at this point. Oh, right. I'm just, I'm saying that I don't think he'll be around to see when this entire thing is resolved. He will I don't not know if any of us will. <laughs> that's, that's for for how this for where this thing's headed. Um, it, uh, we will all, we will still be around to be trolled by sports by Brooks. <laughs> that, that, that's something that we've learned from uh, from your experience in, in Columbus. No, he he did radio in Columbus for a while, and oh uh, he, didn't leave, he didn't leave Central Ohio on the best terms. Um, that, and that tends to happen with for some reason in Central Ohio between uh, Brooks Melchoyer and, and uh, uh, Br- uh, Bruce Hooley. Bruce Hooley. They both leave <laughs> like, you know, like Ohio State ish media. And um, they're just angry, man. I think uh, it's it's kind of like a bad prom date that just never forgets. Um, Brooks is good with page views, and he has a, a large following, so enjoy everything that he exposes with cut and paste about Penn State. Like, he needs to fabricate anything at this point. Yes, as um, I think it was DMB Meg from over at Black Heart Gold Pants said, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, half-sourced rumors plus tits equals page views. <laughs> it's a very simple equation for uh, the internet age. Uh, sportsbybrooks.com slash sbbgirls. That's the only page I've ever had bookmarked. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> who, who could need anything else in life? Right. It's got yeah. to a to a science. So the actual game. Um, Ohio State was playing during Penn State's game last week. It was very rude of them. And... Um, what what exactly happened with with Purdue? I mean, I, I see Braxton Miller didn't have the best day throwing, and I guess that's to be expected. But they seemed to bottle him up on the ground too, or or were there like sacks thrown in that were? Oh, that would have been his pass. Wait, no, now I'm confusing my rules. That would have been his rushing yards. I'm sorry, pro, it's passing yards. So are you, are you ready for this? Yeah, I guess uh... <laughs> after, after all that, yeah. I uh, it's it's 2011. Um. Since since 1990, I have missed uh, two Ohio State games that I haven't seen a single play of. The 1996 Michigan game, I was working in the uh, United Kingdom. And last weekend, I, my old roommate passed away, so I did not see the game. I actually, at his wake, I, I watched the Penn State game. Um, and and so I got, uh, I got to see that. Um, I'm not going to watch the Purdue game, but I don't think you need to watch the Purdue game to talk about what happened because I've watched every other game this year. No, I'm very sorry to hear about your friend. Uh, it, uh, you know, it, it's sad, but uh, for the purpose of this conversation, um, right. <laughs> um, what, what Ohio State is faced with is a multitude of talented, you know, coveted recruits who play offense, whether line um, 
or specialty positions. The line is a little bit more tenured. They've got seniors and they've got guys that started, you know, multiple you know, dozens of games. Um, nobody is is good at getting off the line from a receiving standpoint, except for maybe Jake Stoneburner, who's a tenured tight end. But a tight end at Ohio State means a glorified tackle who's pass eligible and right, just right. doesn't get doesn't get exploited. Um, you don't have you don't have anyone who can get open from a wide receiver standpoint. You've got a quarterback who has um, Bob Stoops, former video coordinator, as his position coach, and and he, he I think other than that, uh, Nick Siciliano was a quality control coach. He has no business coaching a, a freshman quarterback who, who shouldn't really be playing and wouldn't be playing were not for Tatgate. And then you've got Jim Bullman who who's coached this offensive line with no depth for all. 11 of the years that he's been in Columbus and uh, he's now calling plays and he's calling plays with, and this is, you'll see this on, well, I don't know if you're going to the game, but if you sit in Ohio stadium, you can't sit up, you know, you can't be more than a row away from the closest Buckeye fan who's obsessed. And you will hear each play get called <laughs> when, <laughs> when they come to the line. If, if Ohio state receivers check their wristbands, when they're checking to make sure they're, they're at scrimmage, it's a passing play. If they're not checking their wristbands, they're getting ready to pretend to block for a running play. <laughs> uh, it, it is it is a science. Just watch the receivers, and you will know what's going to happen. Um, and that's a function of being young, and it's a it's, it's a larger function of being predictable and poorly coached. So I uh, actually got to to go to the Penn State Temple game because I live in New Jersey, not far from Philly. And after seeing that. <laughs> um, I, I immediately thought about this game that's coming up on Saturday, mm-hmm. and, and how how far back it would set even you know Stone Age Big Ten football when when Penn State's offense and Ohio State's offense were on the same field together. It's uh, the over under is thirty nine. I just saw that thirty nine and a half. Yeah, I uh, I'm thinking about emptying out a savings account that I barely look at. <laughs> that, that's begging to be taken under. Ohio State favored by six and a half or seven, depending on where you shop. And yeah, the the number I saw was thirty nine and a half. Um, yeah, at, <laughs> I was at that Temple game too, and I, I think you're right. We could see something very similar and very awful. I mean, Penn State's last two games, at least, uh, I can pull the schedule. But the game against Illinois was offensive. You know, just just a nightmare for fifty eight minutes until they drove the field at the, for the last game right. or for the last drive. Even against um, Purdue, they weren't great. Against Iowa, they weren't great. Against Indiana, you know, we scored sixteen points against Indiana earlier this year. Yeah, Ohio State made Indiana look pretty competent too. And the scary thing was they did so. Um, one thing you look at Ohio State, like, well, at least the defense bails them out, and that was what trestle ball was. It mm-hmm. was field position and defense. Uh, and, and and if if McGloin can can get the underneath routes working, Ohio State hasn't touched them all year. They they give up the underneath routes uh, routinely, and I think part of it's because they don't run them themselves. <laughs> they don't throw the tight ends. They don't throw backs out of the field. They don't throw short patterns. Um, Jim Bowman said it's because it requires precision. Um, I saw which, that. <laughs> which they don't have, and <laughs> since they don't have a quarterback coach, they, I don't, they they haven't taught anyone how to throw. So if, if they want to get that working for them, um, Penn State will look like you know, they should be able to look like they did for the first quarter of last year's game when they just kind of sliced right through the defense twice and then struck out the rest of the game. 
Um, but I don't see that. I, I just see a, a really bad football game coming, and I can't wait to go sit there and make fun of it for three and a half hours. <laughs> so where where does this where does this defense kind of rank compared to the ones that Penn State have seen previously? Um, it started out with with a lot of potential. They're they're pretty dinged up now. Um, Andrew Sweat is going to miss the game. Um, he got hurt last week. I, I tell you more details about how he got hurt, but I have no idea. Um, Jonathan Hankins uh, is also out. Hankins is an enormous defensive tackle um, from Detroit, who Rich Rodriguez did not recruit, who would be Michigan's best defensive player right now, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, he when when he's out, that allows the offensive line to spend more time blocking John Simon, um, who is the biggest troublemaker that Ohio State has on the line from a, a run-stopping standpoint. From a pass rush standpoint, McGloin will have all day because Ohio State has no pass rush. They're, they're pretty good against the run, which will be tough for, for Red if they decide to run between the tackles. Um, but uh, they're going to have a hard time getting to McGloin. We'll get a, if, if Bolden comes, they'll have a hard time getting to him. Um, their best pass rusher was Nate Williams, and he's basically missed the entire season. So um, this defense... Uh, became young all of a sudden um, through, through attrition. Um, and when when teams got more and more tape on them, they started figuring out what, what the Buckeyes are good at, and they stopped feeding into that. Like uh, when, when Wisconsin came to Columbus, Ohio State had a field day because Wisconsin tries to do what Ohio State's really good at stopping. And and they did so for most of the game until Wisconsin scored you know, 14 points in like a fraction of a minute to, to make it interesting at the end before the, the bomb that uh, – Miller through to, to, to win it. So if, if uh, Penn State lines up in the eye and tries to run, you know, traditional ball, Ohio State will have a will do will do pretty well. But have if, you uh, have you met Penn State? Have I met Penn State? <laughs> because they <laughs> they will line up in the eye and try to run. Well, but but I, they, their third small stack through the tackles. Yeah, I, I would say as bad as the Penn State offense is, and you can't mince that. <laughs> no, no, you the, can't. What what J-Pod does would be considered diverse compared to what uh, what you see from from Jim Bowman. Um, I have this quite is blowing my mind. I've seen Penn State run plays, uh, and then I watched the entire Alabama game too, where I've said, you know what, Ohio State could totally run that, but they won't. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I then I started drinking heavily because I was envious of Penn State's offense. So this could seriously be 6-3. to three. It could be, what was that, 6-5 game or 6-4? We had the 6-4 game against Iowa. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, we we might see that. The thing is, there's this cloud, right? You've got you've got everything we we open the podcast with, and you've got Ohio State waiting for an NCAA judgment to come down. And and there's going to be there's been anticipation for months. Like, what's the punishment going to be? And uh, people are talking about Urban, Urban Meyer, and people are talking about uh, if not Urban, then who? And it's Senior Day, and it's um, it's Penn State. To me, it's that's outside of the Michigan game, which a lot of us you know grew up with. Um, that's the game. So you've got a lot of stuff kind of hanging over what you're going to see. As, as, like if you see a six-three game, it's just going to make everyone even like, ugh, we don't even have football to escape anymore because it's just so bad. This is going to be fantastic. It's, it's, be awesome. like, it's like everything you're saying sounds exactly familiar to us. Yeah. It really is, and uh, you know, unimaginative offense. I mean, against against Temple, there was the report that the Penn State only ran about eight or ten different plays. That's that's about as well. That's more than I remember. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the I was I was I'm not one of those 
bloggers who, who pulls up statistics and starts doing, you know, play progression. I, I'm not good at that at all. I'm not good at news writing. But the other day, after the Purdue game that I'm not going to watch, I I went to the NCAA stats site and started looking and, and comparing Ohio State's opponents versus Ohio State versus everyone else on their schedule. And only two teams were held below their offensive averages or uh, defensive averages in terms of what they allowed Ohio State to do. And that was Akron, which is like afterbirth bad at football. Yes. And, and Wisconsin, which had a, had a really bad game. Um, yeah. Every other team on the schedule, uh, by an average of 50 yards, <laughs> uh, did you know, that's, that's what they did to Ohio State's offense. They, they had their best in, – in, in six of those eight teams had their first or second best game of the year defensively. Good I mean, Lord. Staggering how, how bad this, this offense is. Um, and, and, and and if you look at it, you, you can. See, act- now you're just giving me hope, and I and <laughs> I, I kind of hate you for it. No one needs a win more than Penn State right now. That's true. So um, the 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 thing to look at, though, if, you, if you're into modeling, look at what Penn State allows defensively, and basically subtract 50 yards from that, and that's what Ohio State will probably put up on Saturday. Very interesting. This yeah, this team is going to be. A blown coverage and a red zone t- turnover, basically, and I, I think we'll all be going home talking about those two plays. Well, and that, I don't. That has to happen with this game, right? I, I mean, I've I've gone to every Penn State game in Columbus since I joined the Big Ten, and it's like you expect to see a pick six, and then you get it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get two. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're totally right, and you know, even even the 08 game was this epic struggle. This is going to be kind of the. The, the inverse of that. With yeah, that was that was intentional thing. struggle. I think this is just going to be. We can't do anything better than this, even if we tried. That 08 game was pretty amazing, though. Um, it was atmosphere and, and the ending and everything. I, I know that uh, there's there's that this is what used to be regret at Ohio State if Pryor would have just kept the ball and not tried to go outside. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's the kind of regret, like you know, I, I crave now. There's so many more <laughs> regrets instead that that, that, have, that bubble to the surface. But the if 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 this game has any chance of being entertaining, it's going to be like Devin Still. It's going to be the Penn State defensive line making it, forcing Ohio State to move Miller and not just uh, have Bowman repeatedly try to run into a, a brick wall, which he'll do anyway. But if <laughs> for whatever reason they decide to move the pocket, and maybe Ohio State gets like a five and out instead of a three and out. And then Penn State gets the ball and, and, and keeps the ball for a couple first downs. I can, that's the kind of football I can watch. I don't need to see, you know, Oklahoma State running up and down the field and against Oregon. That That's just, you know, that's kind of numbing. Um, but if, if you, that, that, that would make that 08 game so good, even though it was like, it, you know, no one, no one scored more than 20 points. It was that there was football happening and that could happen, but, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to invest in hope because I'm just so used to being disappointed. No, it gets overused, but I, I feel like the, the chess game analogy was really apt in 08. It really felt like every play was an intentional. Even even just like you know, a couple yards up the middle was was such a tactical advantage. Oh yeah, that was, that was like right at the, the the height of spread HD. I think right. Um, We're still waiting for the height of spread HD. We are. That was more in the in the recoil period when um, when we kind of were slowly uh, transitioning back to to keeping quarterbacks very safe and, and comfortable. Although I guess we at least had a, a, a backup then. 
There, there, were, there were actual offensive coaches on the field who were playing chess um, <laughs> versus you've got the Best Buy Geek Squad and Jim Bullman, the Walrus, <laughs> on one side of the ball, and you've got nepotism and, and cronyism on the other. And now it's it's amazing what's happened in just a couple of years, this matchup. It's, um, you, think about the, you think about the overproduced uh, lead-ins that ESPN puts together for games like this. What the hell are they going to do on Saturday? <laughs> Uh, I, I think they're just going to go with the test pattern until the uh, until the game actually until the ball is actually kicked off. It's going to be the Indian with you know <laughs> multicolors <laughs> behind him. That's all you're going to see. Then it's going to be suddenly game. That's the only that's the only possible. Or it's going to be just a still picture of Tom Rinaldi with soft piano music slowly <laughs> wafting out of the television. Tom Rinaldi talking about the scandal at Ohio State involving underage boys. I don't know if you guys saw on ESPN. I did. I, I saw they kept talking about Ohio State. Yeah. A couple, said, a couple Fox times. News, uh, like a, a Republican gets arrested and Fox News puts a D next to his name. It, it happened three times <laughs> in the same segment. I'm saying, like, you know, I've been at Beaver Avenue. I've been there. <laughs> he said the wrong school three times. It, was, it got kind of comical, especially after the summer with ESPN. Well, Ramsey, thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you. You guys going to the game by chance? No, Kevin, I think is going right. I will be there. I have the the normally semi annual but occasionally annual uh, Powers Family Tailgate in Columbus. So we'll have to uh, hook up if you're going. Yeah, I'll 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 check you out there. Hopefully, the best damn fans in the land will treat you uh, with respect and kindly. You know, for for all the internet trolling we all do to each other um, on the internet. I, I've, other than a couple of drunk assholes, which could be the same assholes at every school, for all I know, the actual same people, I, I always enjoy going there. So. I think uh, I think you can rent them. Um, <laughs> like cops at fraternity parties, you can just kind of like, we, we need an asshole for our tailgate. Can you throw a full beer kit at, at some guy's head if he's wearing the wrong colors? <laughs> they just, yeah, they ride in the trailer behind the ESPN game day kind of van and, and just file out at each, at each big event. Well, they're good for policing and drunk tank business anyway. But uh, yeah, I'll try to catch up with you. Have a good time uh, on Saturday, though. I will do. And thank, yeah, thank, like Chris said, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ramsey. Pleasure. So we're back, and um, thank you again to Ramsey for joining us and, and giving us some shred of 
Hope heading into Columbus this week for uh, the Penn State-Ohio State game. And uh, this brings us, Kevin and uh, myself, back to the uh, never-ending fun that is the Penn State sex scandal, the Jerry Sandusky scandal, the uh, Jerry Sandusky investigation, which is all Joe Paterno's fault. Um, Jerry Sandusky, Penn State, Joe Paterno investigation, I think, is the official legal term. There was term. Uh, somebody, I think Dan Vassilio, and I apologize if I'm saying his name incorrectly, got a screen cap today from ESPN where uh, behind the anchor it said, Penn State sex scandal. And there are pictures of three people, Joe Paterno, Mike McQuarrie, and Graham Spanier. <laughs> I, uh, Adam, Adam is emailing uh, one of our groups, and I, I'm not going to click the link. It's a collegiate article, URL titled, I Will Never Hire a Penn Stater. Good. That, that, that'll show him. <laughs> that, that, that dude hates child rape. Yes, he does. He, he hates it more than anyone else. He hates it so much that uh, he won't even interview people who support child rape. He definitely hates it more than you or I or anyone. So, so I guess that I want to know what this guy's. Uh, I actually have the um, the letter up here. It's very short. I am sickened beyond belief by the disgusting support of pedophilia shown by Penn State students. Wow, <laughs> goes goes right to it, huh? Mm-hmm. Disgusting support of pedophilia. To go as far as to riot by the thousands in support of people who did little to nothing to protect young children is inhuman. This guy's this guy's better than me. Um, <laughs> as this seems to be the majority, or at least not a minority of the student I'm going to stop you there for a second. Even yes. if it is the several thousand that were supporting pedophilia, which it wasn't several thousand. It could have been several thousand. They certainly were. A lot of them were probably just looking for ESPN cameras. It's pretty poor math, right? No, no. They they all support pedophilia. A, what do we have? A half, there's a half a million of us? <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't take an exact count. I, I, I can't, you know, that, that's that, that's beyond my pay grade, personally. I'm, I'm, not good, I'm not good with the numbers. But um, I, I think we can safely say that everybody involved supports pedophilia. Pen, I mean, Penn State is, you know, it's basically NAMBLA. Of of, uh, of Center County, I, I yeah, it's it's hard to um, it's hard to really figure out how how to respond to this. You think? Okay, so Com- as- Comvault, by the way, Chris, you and I will never work at Comvault headquartered in Austin. Comvault, what the hell is that? Well, let, let me finish reading. Your, your dreams of computer hardware production are uh, oh, have been dashed. Be in China by next year. Um, As this seems to be the majority, or at least not a minority, of the student body morals, I've had my corporation staff working this holiday weekend to go through all employee files. Anyone who went to Penn State will have their final checks waiting for them Monday morning, and no one from Penn State will ever be hired by any company I run in the future! Exclamation point. Gregory White, Austin, Texas. From Convault. How how do we spell Convault? Uh, there, there might be two Greg Whites in Austin, Texas, but C-O-M-M-V-A-U-L-T. I mean, while we're indicting innocent people here by not hiring Penn Staters, we might as well go after Comvault. Yeah, right? uh, let's say Comvault. Who are these clowns? About us. We're going to have to edit this later, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is a court in Oceanport, New Jersey. It's, I don't know if this is it. Anyway, Gregory White has had enough. He's outraged. 
and he will not support uh, pedophiles or those who support pedophilia, which is anyone associated with Penn State. I hope we've all learned a valuable lesson here. Um, I'm not sure what what that is. Uh, Posnaski nailed it the other day when he said everybody's trying to out-anger each other. And um, I suppose I'm part of that. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty angry. But, <laughs> but I mean, well, it, uh, like like you said with, with Ramsey, now that the, you know the the main players of this seem to at least have been taken out of the picture. I don't think we're ever going to see Tim Curley in an athletic director position ever again. Uh, Mike McQuarrie's not going to coach at Penn State ever again. Joe Paterno's out. Graham Spanier's out. Um, I, I I would suspect that Curley and McQuarrie are still um, paid by Penn State for legal reasons, as in to keep them quiet for now. Although. That brings us to Armin Katayan's hard-hitting interview with Michael Query tonight, <laughs> breathlessly promoted by CBS News um, all afternoon long. Mike McQuarrie's first words, his, his emotional words to Armin Katayan, and the interview was essentially about 10 seconds. There was a clip of McQuarrie saying, I really can't talk about that right now, and that was obviously the end of the interview as far as he was concerned. And Katayan asked him, well, what are your emotions right now? What can, or something, you know, something along those lines will go out. How do you feel? And that, I guess that was the exclusive. My query's like, I feel bad. <laughs> I, I turned, I was in a meeting. I turned the TV on at work at six 30 to catch the interview. And the time it took me to type the three numbers to go to CBS, the interview was over. Yeah. I didn't even get to see his face. And no, I was, that, that was it. I wanted the tell-all tale. I wanted his side of the story, but I guess I, I'm not going to get it. Yeah, so... But it's not, not anytime soon. CBS, with some, you know, level nine ninja trolling tonight. <laughs> That's, like, I've never, I've never seen anything quite like that. So over-promised and under-delivered in my life. I can't think of, I mean, what even compares? I, I uh... Oh, God, I, I feel like there's a, uh... A Simpsons or a South Park clip escaping me, where where everything gets it gets built. Oh, it it is. It's the um, was it was it the uh, the South Park um, Family Guy episode? Yes, it could where they be. They built it up for weeks and weeks and weeks, and and they showed like uh, <laughs> oh yeah, where they're going to show Muhammad Muhammad on TV or something, and then the episode ends. It that's what it that's kind of what it felt like. I believe that was a two part South Park episode. <laughs> it was. But the two be continued. Go, um, go, go! I believe it was called. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, I, but, I'm, yeah, I'm it, fatigued, it was man. I'm completely fatigued. I agree. I don't, I don't know how to. I don't know how to respond. I, I don't. I can't defend child rape. I, I, I don't. And any more or Wait, less than uh, uh, let's clarify your position on child rape. <laughs> I'm outraged by it. Okay. That's my official position. All right. Well, and I, I, I might guess. even put it in my signature if, if, if I, you know. That's the other thing. So you can't, you can't constructively discuss this without completely, without qualifying front and back. Anything you have to say about, um, about what, where it ends, you know. I, I, part of me wonders if you know this is this is hyperbole. So please, no one quote this in in a fan shot tomorrow. But you know, at least if they were to shut down the school and basically kick the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania out of the union, we could move on. You know, 
we could we could at least get some closure out of this. And but I guess like in a, in a less joking note, we we can't undo anything. That's yeah. None of this is undoing anything. Period. And that's yeah, I think we have to start. You know, there's old at saying about my... trying to unring a bell. It's it's gone. It's out there. Yeah. And all that's left now is to try to do what we can to one get to the bottom of why these incidents happened, why they weren't reported right away, and two, how to prevent this from happening to other children in the future, not only in Center County and in Pennsylvania, but all over the country and all over the world. Um, I couldn't be prouder of everybody who pitched in to raise over $360,000 at last count uh, for rain. I mean, that's that's absolutely amazing. It's something that didn't really get any attention anywhere, which is, which is a shame because, you know, there were some people that said, Oh, that's, that's the least there, there was somebody, um, commenting on Andy Hutchins piece about the people taunting the guy who came up from Pittsburgh and held signs and duct tape and wore a, a, a Penn state baseball hat with a logo duct taped over and black tape. Um, there was someone who responded to that article, which, which really infuriated me. That said, oh well, that's the least they could have done at Penn State. Yeah, someone someone detailed the 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 support, the candlelight vigil that was that was done in place of a canceled pep rally, the fundraising. You're right, and it we owed that commenter everything that the community has done, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I said to him, you have a very odd definition of the word least, because I, I do think that this incident, tragic as it is, has raised awareness. Uh, a significant amount. I, I read something today that the crisis center in York County, just south of, of me in Harrisburg, experienced a 20% increase in calls this week. Um, I don't know if that's directly related to what's going on at Penn State, but it's good to hear. You know, people oh. people can't be afraid to to report these things. People can't be afraid to, you know, speak up for themselves and speak up for others, and you know, just generally raise awareness that this happens all the time. And that's one of one of the sad, and I mentioned this, this last week when we did the podcast, it's terrible to say that. And, and that's sort of why in, in many ways, I think Sandusky sort of gets lost in the story is that this, this stuff happens all the time. Like nobody is, nobody's surprised when there's a, you know, a reference to Megan's law. Nobody's shocked when they see these guys on to catch a predator. You know, it, 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 it becomes a, uh, a sick running joke after a while. And, that, well, and that, I, I don't, I still don't crazy part. I, yeah, no, I think, I think that is a hundred percent on. And I, I also think that it still feels like there's a long way to go in terms of just talking about it. And I, I can't help but wonder if part of the outrage against, you know, I, I want to be careful here again um, for the eighth or ninth time on this podcast, but you know, we can, it, it feels, it feels more fulfilling to focus on a couple administrators as true black hat bad guys rather than to deal with with the issue which is the horrible crime the fact that people were too for whatever reason unable to to talk about it openly or report it um you know the the fact that we we still you know are focused on outrage rather than you know trying to prevent this and make this a more a more tolerable thing tolerable is not the right word, but, you know, we need to be able to talk about this all of the time when these things happen, you know, and like you said, hopefully there's a small impact that people are, are seeing this and, and getting the courage to report it. And, you know, 
that ultimately is the only good that can come from this. <laughs> you know, I, I think a little bit of justice will help, but um, that's kind of on its way. And, and then after that, you really just have to you know, get to the issue. Yeah. And unfortunately talking about it uh, doesn't get ratings and doesn't sell advertising. And, you know, it, it's more intriguing. And, and I know why to talk about the cover up and the people involved, especially, I mean, I, I get that. I, I, you know, <laughs> when we see, we see what shows are popular on TV, if we're, we're not a country of enlightened people anymore, <laughs> probably haven't been for 40 or 50 years. Uh, people on the whole are not interested in news, but it, if enough of them can become interested in issues like this, something will have been accomplished here. In addition to the, the fundraising and, and, uh, you know, the, the kids who are at Penn state now are never going to forget this issue. And, and there's benefit in that, you know, nothing, nothing we ever do here is going to take back what was, uh, or give back what was taken away from those kids by Jerry Sandusky. And, and you know, but, uh, that doesn't mean that no good can come out of this. So, so hopefully we can at least keep going with that in, in a sort of positive direction regarding Sandusky's interview last night. Did you watch it? I, am I allowed to admit that that as dedicated as I am to this, that I, I didn't want to watch it or no. listen to it. No, you're, I, you're... I, um, I, I didn't understand what he was going to accomplish. And I, I ended up hearing, most of it today anyway. Um, so I guess it's, it's not that I, it's not that I don't want to follow the story. It's that I, I guess I needed to take it in pieces. Um, it's, it, it, it brings, it reminds me again, how disgusting the story is. Yeah. And, you know, for all the logic I'm, I'm trying to get myself to work through, uh, it, it helps kind of nullify any attempt at that for me anyway. Yeah, it, you got a really strange decision to put him on television last night. I mean, I've never defended anyone in a criminal matter before. So Joe Amendola has one up on me there. Joe Amendola has also apparently defended every fraternity and DUI case in State College. Oh, God. One of my one of my friends who uh, went to school at Pip came up to visit us one one weekend when I was at Penn State got arrested driving the wrong way, drunk on Beaver Avenue and got a DUI. And he just emailed me out of the blue the other day and said, Hey, that's the guy who did my DUI up in state college. I'm thinking, wow, Joe Paterno has the guy who defended George Herbert Walker Bush in the Iran Contra affair. <laughs> Jerry Sandusky has the guy from, I can't believe it's a law firm. <laughs> and I, I guess who else takes the case up there? Yeah. I don't know enough about that scene. Um, and, but tell tell me this: In what class that you took, did they explain that this could be a smart legal defense move? It was so unbelievably stupid that those of us on Twitter last night who you know were were commenting along, which was everybody, were trying to come up with like alternative evil theories on why this must have been some sort of ninja move that we just don't understand yet like some sort of four dimensional chess that the rest of us just don't know how to play. And I've come up with nothing. <laughs> I really have. I, the only theories I can even 
come up with it. And I, I put these in, in some of the comments today during uh, during the afternoon. Is that Sandusky is truly convinced that he's innocent and that what he was doing was not wrong in any way. That's probably the most likely explanation. It doesn't explain why Joe Amendola thought it was a good idea for him to go on television. But it would explain why Sandusky was willing to do it, is that he actually thinks that he did nothing wrong. And in the mind of uh, someone of that nature, that's entirely possible. Uh, another thought is that he's just trying to go for an insanity plea. <laughs> but, but he wasn't acting insane. He was acting... He was just admitting things like, yeah, yeah. of course I shower with, with boys. That, what the hell is your problem? So that's that sort of out. He Maybe they're going for a mistrial where they so poison the jury pool that he can't get a fair <laughs> trial anywhere. Because he probably can't get one in Center County, and now he might not be able to get one in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's... That that one doesn't seem as as crazy as as it sounds when we laugh about it. Another one is that he's so he's he knows he's totally screwed here. That and and I don't think that he is. Incidentally, I mean th- these types of cases, yeah, you know, they need a hell of a lot more evidence than than what they have. I think to 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 convict the guy, which which is crazy. But I've seen these cases before that uh, have gone to. Um, well, quickly, I will tell the story. At my previous job, there was um, a certain professional um, working in the community in Pittsburgh, and approximately 15 to 20 of his female patients had these same fuzzy recollections that they were being molested as they were coming out from anesthesia, where the guy was putting his junk in their mouths and rubbing you know just all oh. sorts of like stuff like that like your worst nightmare when you go to a medical professional um the board took his license they're, they're allowed to take his license for 180 days while these sort of awful criminal charges are pending and they said to the guy if you get acquitted of all it's basically it like 40 counts if you get acquitted of every single count you can have your license back and what he did is he went back to Pittsburgh and he took a bench trial, just the judge, no jury, and brought in an expert, an expert witness who said that the type of drug that this man used on his patients could produce sexual dreams. And that was, that was the expert. That was, you know, that's what he was going with. And the judge actually acquitted him of Everything. Everything. So I did the dentist. Yeah. Currently. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. He has his license back. I, I, I also think he fled the state shortly after. <laughs> um, last I heard he was going to, uh, to Chicago. So hopefully he's their problem now, but he's still someone's problem out there, you know? And so, so these, what, that's a long way of saying that these types of trials can go south quickly. So I don't know. Um, the the other and and I can give Connor uh, Connor Nelson credit for this. Um, he's fifty yard bard on Twitter and he writes for Pen Live sometimes. Uh, he thinks that Sandusky is perverted like a fox, and he has all of these secrets and is just going to take everyone down in the firefight because we're essentially at the juncture now, where it's just 
crossfire. You know, there are going to be people making statements. People, Mike McQuarrie almost has to come out and defend himself at some point. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind transitioning to that. So McQuarrie, what, how do you feel, you know, knowing there's a possibility he did go to the cops and that he did stop the, the original incident? I feel like that would be more consistent of what I think of the guy or, or what I've always thought of the guy. Um, I, I know people who are very close friends of his and they swear that he told Joe Paterno every single detail that um, he saw that night. I, you know, we have no way of knowing that. I mean, McQuarrie is sort of the most interesting figure in, in a lot of ways in this whole mess because it's that ultimate what would you do moment and if you've seen that show on uh, the hidden camera show on abc you know, people will not help you <laughs> in all sorts of awful circumstances there's um there's an old uh, old case of a, a woman named kitty genovese in uh, new york new york city while she was basically yeah, yeah. being slaughtered on the street everybody stood around and did nothing expecting that somebody else would step up and do it there's um, there's the uh, there's the shock test the shock you know, test uh, Milgram I believe yeah I think, I think that's the Milgram study if if my uh, uh, my psychology teaching wife has taught me anything I believe that's what that <laughs> is um, yeah I mean it, it's it's hard it, it's hard to say what exactly you would do and it's hard to say what exactly he did you know the the testimony I don't think was was that specific as as to what he actually did at that moment. And I would, I would think that, you know, he's going to be a witness. He was the, he was the witness found extremely credible by the grand jury. Um, and, and you have to, you know, put yourself in that position where, you know, you see a guy, you know, according to the story that you've known your entire life. You know, he grew up in Penn state college. Jerry Sandusky was a God in, in that town just as Joe Paterno was for the longest time. You know, Mike McQuarrie and I are the same age. That means we both watched Penn State win the national championship when we were, you know, 7 and 11. You know, that's <laughs> that's that's your formative years of, of watching football. So not only being in state college and, and being a quarterback at Penn State and, and all of that, he, you know, he sees this guy doing this and just – Probably you can't even imagine what you know. Seeing your one of your heroes in life doing that, and and how do you react to it? And I, I don't know what I don't know what you do. And you figured he was scared beyond belief because I'm, I'm sure he was, despite his size, intimidated by Sandusky's stature and, and power in, in the organization. Um, I don't. It's it, it's the there's definitely an, an element of shock too, which which yeah. throws rationality out the window. And I don't. I'm not, I, I hate to be. I hate to be the person taking the, uh, uh, or not taking the position of oh, I would have stormed in there and kicked his ass. Like you know, yeah, it's just it's just about to say the same know, thing. Yeah, you would like to think that you would, but not, it's it's scientifically proven that not everybody does. Well, and I, I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to to play that game. Like I, that that card will always be. The end. The end of every one of these arguments. Yeah, so and that's that's either... the sports. That's the sports radio line. If exactly. I hear Mike Golick say that one more time, you know, <laughs> I'm going to throw myself out of my parking garage. 
So go, I would have gone. I would disappointed, but queer. I would have gone in there, and you know, he never would have touched that kid again. Well, yeah, okay. But it's good radio. Yeah, it's great radio because you know, everyone has to have the the biggest balls on the radio. Yeah, he he is definitely a, a conflicted character, and I, I you know I also with, without knowing a lot about how the grand jury thing came about, um, I wonder why there's there there are those are two. Those are two details that would have helped him kind of in the public court, you know, mm-hmm. during the 48 hours when this thing was a enormous ball of burning gas. Yeah, um, if if he had the two, uh, and, and I let me know if you're not talking about these two things, but if he had the facts that he went in there and busted up the place when he saw Sandusky and the kid, and he told Joe Paterno every single detail that he saw. And if apparently, has, possibly the the university police also, not just Joe Paterno. Right. I mean, th- those are those are details that, at the very least, they could have alluded to in the report. He he was. I, I'm not claiming he's an innocent, uh, an innocent kind of party here and scot free and, and should be forgiven. But um, I, I do think that he he was owed that much to at least have those kinds of details in the in the report. Yeah, I would agree with that, and you know we'll we'll see we'll see where this horrible thing takes us at this point. It, it's like I said before, it's it's sort of the crossfire now, where you're just going to have a series of uh, leaked statements and leaked emails, and you know, it, it's all just going to be PR sabotage until this thing actually gets before a judge. And apparently, with Sandusky's court date being pushed back um, to December, I believe. Yeah, early December was the last I heard. Who knows where it's at now? There's still time for this to fall apart between now and then. And there's still time, you know, more victims are coming forward. Um, Perhaps not the full 20 that Fox News or Fox 29 in Philly had uh, had mentioned last week, but there there are apparently at least two more. And, you know, we'll we'll see how many there are when when this is all said and done. I hope and pray that the... uh, the pimping story being pushed by that whale Mark Madden is not uh, is not true because that I mean, I mean this thing's bad enough and in 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 a sense I'm almost intrigued to see at what level this gets this whole thing gets squashed you know, like who, who's actually going to go down with the ship besides the four people that already have and, yeah it's and, you know the, the other thing second it, mile guy to that now too but. I, I'm interested to see how far this thing goes. And, and I think the people who are covering this story and continue to cover this story owe it to everybody involved to not just take Joe Paterno's scalp and go home, but to see this through. I, I, I think I completely agree. And that, you know, that was my reaction to the, to the, to the pimping rumor is, is I'm not, I'm not going to deny anything. I'm not going to say, oh, that's outrageous after what I just, all the news that broke that I had to take in and digest. So what's left to be outrageous at this point? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sure it's, it's level 10 disgusting and and disturbing and disappointing and all of the other words I can't even think of right now, but it doesn't, it, it, and you know, the other thing is we didn't, we didn't get to talk about this with Ramsey is, you know, (laughs) to, to, I feel so far past the football game at this point. It's it's hard to I know, come back. I, I don't even want to talk about the games at this point. It's it's and you know I don't I don't and care. we this should, point. but you know, whatever. I, I think Ben. <laughs> I, I agree. I said to somebody right after the game the same thing Ben wrote that a loss um, 
has never has never felt so so appropriate. Um, just because I, I don't want to see this be hidden behind some type of some type of redemption story for the football team. I, I want the team to succeed, um, but I, I don't want that to happen at the cost of of um, other things. That being said, I was we were very diff- very hard for the team, and we'll continue to. And they don't deserve any of this. But I I think that we the other the other interesting aspect of this game is you have two coaches who are almost certainly lame ducks at this point. I, it's hard to imagine me seeing, you know, by the time this whole thing is, is unfolded, um, you know, people having, you know, if, if the attitude is that we have to completely expel everyone who, who heard a whisper of this, and I'm not here to accuse anyone of anything, but chances are if you worked with a guy for 30 years and lived in the same town as him for 30 years, um, you know, he was at the Penn State building and all of the Penn State coaches were there. The game just feels so irrelevant. We have lame duck coaches. You have Penn State doesn't even need to win this to get to the championship game if you want to look at the football strategy angle here. Yeah, I mean, that that's sort of the insane part is that we have an Ohio State-Penn State game that means nothing. It couldn't mean any less. It I never mean, Unless you, can, you know, factor in the fact you know, or the possibility that Wisconsin could lose to Illinois, which is not happening. No, probably not. Ron's Illinois and State. Yeah, and Ron's like walked out of his press conference, which is going <laughs> to... I believe Pencer said he waddled out like a giraffe <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's going to come down to, to Penn State at Wisconsin. And Penn, yeah. State, Penn State will probably be at least a 10-point underdog in that game, if not more. And at that point, hopefully the, the appropriate focus will be given to the team and, and their they'll be allowed to to kind of live their own lives and control their own destiny. I think being on the road helps. The story. Yeah, that's probably, that's a very good point. Being on the road, yeah. We lamented the schedule since it came out, but this this ended up being a pretty, um, pretty lucky break that, that Penn State doesn't have to play at home anymore. In just, just in a sort of public relations sense. Well, that's, I, that's, you know, that's I don't... Thing, and, and you hate to... I, I feel like I keep sort of switching between what is right for Penn State and what's right for the players and what's right for the people involved and what's right for uh, the public relations aspect of it and what's right for society. And, it, it, you know, there's so many weird societal and political angles to this whole thing that it's it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to untangle this mess for, for a decade. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to picture what Penn State looks like two years from now. It's really difficult, I think. It's it's impossible to tell. You know, the story came out the non-story that Penn State doesn't plan on on uh, turning down a bowl invitation. You know, with with all the advertiser exodus, it, that doesn't mesh with the entire point of bowls, which is to get logos right. in our faces. Um, it's the only reason they exist. And so we've How had this. We've had this existence for years that if, if there's any sort of tie in the bowl process, that Penn State pretty much always won. And I also want to know, you know, there's also a rule that, you know, you can't, I don't believe you can take a team that's two losses worse. You can take a team one loss worse, but not two. Um, at some point, somebody would, you know, would have to take Penn State by rule. Um, the Big Ten, though, doesn't seem to have a problem kind of, um, doing what's best for the Big Ten's image right now. No, uh, they'll, they'll finagle this to you know, 
assuming Penn State does go to a bowl game, and they will because they pretty much have to. Um, they'll be they'll be shuffled off. To, and you know, the the other aspect of it is some bowl may just be craven enough to say, "Hey, they travel. Screw it. I don't care." Yeah, I mean, and, certainly and, and we'll sort bring of attention. take the gamble that the Penn State fans actually will attend the bowl game and will not just sort of shun it. It's hard. It's going yeah, to be an interesting know decision. Such, it's going to be an interesting decision for for somebody in a in a poorly fitted, poorly uh, shaded suit or sport jacket. Well, you know what else? If if this hadn't, if this story hadn't broke, or I guess to put it in a better world, if none of this had ever happened, um, yeah. Penn State would be. You know, look at what happened to uh, to Bowden. Penn State would be in the Rose Bowl, <laughs> for all we know. Without deserving, I mean that that, that would never happen. Um, but the exact opposite of, of what people are suggesting, which is that nobody wants Penn State, it would they would be people would be clawing for Paterno's last bowl game. Yeah. Regardless of how bad this offense really is. Yeah, and and now we're sort of uh, slowly shuffling into the abyss. It, it, it's hard to imagine Penn State fans traveling for this game, isn't it? Are you going to spend yes. $2,000 to go to a mid-level bowl game for Yeah, I mean, I mean who's, who's going to go to the Meineke Car Care Bowl in Texas? I believe it's the Commvault. Uh, the Commvault Bowl, bowl where, where Penn State fans will be ritualistically uh, beaten with canes in the parking <laughs> lot. Uh, they will be charged triple. <laughs> and um, their beers will be urinated in. Yes, by uh, Mr. White. you won't even be allowed into the stadium without a valid non-Penn State diploma. That's right. You will all be forced to wear Kansas State paraphernalia. <laughs> something safe. Something safe and purple. God, Kansas State is the safest thing I can think of right now. <laughs> Maybe like a Washington. Maybe a Washington. Maybe a Washington State. That doesn't sound very offensive. Washington no, no, State. No. What could be? Um, all right, so let's end this here. Um, we uh, <laughs> do we discuss the game? No, not really. The, the games are just going to be played, and, <laughs> and I, <laughs> that's I, the truest I, thing I've heard all. The week. games are just going to be played, and we're going to have to try to enjoy them and try to tolerate them. And you know, unfortunately, and and you know, this 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 is one of those aspects of it that. People are going to have wildly divergent opinions on. A lot of people need the games, and a lot of others just need them to be over. And I'm not really sure. I, I, I even you know go back and forth on that myself. At, at at some point, I'd love to see Penn State on a football field playing. I don't care if I have to watch this offense sputter about the field. It, it's just refreshing to see Penn State. The, the name Penn State on a television screen and not have all this other stuff associated with it. At the same time, I just want this. To, I just want it to end. <laughs> I do. I want to get to the finish line, see what happens after the Wisconsin game. If there's a, uh, a coaching staff change made then, or if they're going to wait until after the bowl game, which would be a mistake in my view because of the recruiting aspect of it. But at the same time, you want to get it right. Um, it's, it's going to be a different world and a lot of people thought it would be and never in a million years thought it would be like this <laughs> yeah the the that is that is an understatement 
and um i I'm with you the 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 weariness will persist well i think into into the point where we're, we're arguing that Penn State's basketball team is at least the 68th best in the country. <laughs> Attitude, baby. <laughs> Attitude. Just I, I, I am dying for basketball podcast now. Oh God! It's just going to be me badgering killing me. Eric, badgering <laughs> Eric and Tim constantly, and then the men's volleyball uh, podcast will start in the spring. Uh, um. Maybe, maybe some fencing, yeah, I, fencing podcasts. I'm going to start prepping for the hockey podcast. Then. Yes. See? We'll, be, uh, we'll, we'll at least have that next year. So, All right. That's all for this week. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a lot. And uh, subscribe on iTunes now. We have that. We have the power. So In Spanish. In Spanish. En español. En vivo. See you next week.